we get like another half a mile down the stream and this guy starts chasing us on horseback and he's coming down out of the woods yelling and screaming um and, you know you're on my land you're trespassing i've called the cops already they're waiting for you you know whatever i'm just watching this guy come down out of the hills on his horse thinking like what in the world what in my in a spaghetti western here or something what's going on so he chases us down and he rants and raves and we just keep going uh then we come around the bend and he's there with like three other guys and they're all taking pictures of us Episode 37, Frank Block, Whitewater Stand-Up Paddleboarding. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Travis Parsons. Here with me today is Frank Block. Frank is a paddle sports and adventure enthusiast. Originally from Kentucky, but now based in Denver, Frank is a professional civil engineer bridge inspector. But he's also a part-time whitewater kayak and stand-up paddleboard instructor with Confluence Kayaks in Denver. Frank has over 25 years of experience in whitewater paddling, and for the past five years has been whitewater stand-up paddleboarding. Frank, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Great. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for having me on. So, Frank, take a few minutes to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in whitewater stand-up paddleboarding. Well, uh, yeah, like you said, I grew up in western Kentucky. Um, we'll say we, I started when I was four. Um, that's when I got into the bow of my dad's uh, old Blue Hole OCA canoe, uh, mostly around the uh, Tennessee, North Carolina area. Nice. Um, so then kind of got into kayaking a little more seriously when I was 13 and uh, been doing that ever since. Um, then moved out to Colorado in 2010 and uh, the water kind of dried up towards the end of the summer, which is pretty typical out here. So to make things more interesting, I jumped on a paddleboard to run down the rivers since they were lower water. And uh, yeah, I kind of fell in love with that after figuring out how much fun it was to stand up on a paddleboard and, you know, get knocked off and see your buddies get knocked off and point and laugh at them. And, you know, it's just a good time all around. And, and then, uh, figured out that we could use these boards to surf on these kayaking play spots that we, that were being built around. And, um, yeah, that was even, a, you know, an even bigger plus to the, to the paddleboard list. So, uh, I've been doing that since 2010 and, uh, you know, I've been traveling around, Figuring out new surf spots, new places to go. Uh, it's been a blast. Right. Um, well, that's kind of crazy. The, uh, I, was, uh, I was naively under the impression that stand-up paddleboarding was for people who wanted to take a lazy afternoon on a calm pond somewhere when I first saw them and didn't think much other than that. And uh, we had a stand-up paddleboarding instructor on here who was telling me about all the various uh, aspects of paddleboarding and really opened my eyes to it. So I started researching a little bit and then found out that the guys like you are out there doing it on, on rapids on whitewater where the kayakers are. And uh, it's pretty impressive as I dug in 
more and more and more, I realize that's actually a pretty extensive sport. I mean, you guys got, you guys got people out there, I mean, doing the whitewater stuff, doing multi-person stuff. Um, of course, I've, I've seen people out there on comm stuff too, and that's one way to take advantage of it. But yeah, it's a pretty diverse sport too. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, I would say probably 98% of the paddleboarding community is mostly flatwater based. But uh, there's a few crazies out there that, that like to do the whitewater stuff. <laughs> That's how I was going to put it. A few crazies <laughs> out there. <laughs> so how long does it take you to uh, to get used to staying up on that thing and not falling down cons- you know, constantly? Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky aspect of it for sure. It helped me a lot coming from a whitewater kayaking background because I already was familiar with how to read the water and knew what the water was going to do um, to some extent. You know, getting used to the board and the dynamics of how it works and how it floats and how the water grabs its edges and the fins were a new thing for me. But, um, you know, it's it's not too hard, especially if you if you really get into it and throw yourself into the mix. It, you know, you can get pretty decent at it within a season. Um, and then, you know, if especially and even if you come from a flatwater uh, background, um, you know, try out some, some slow moving water, some waves, some eddy lines, some of that stuff. You'll get the hang of it. It's not too bad. Right. Well, I guess it's like everything else. As long as you're willing to get at it and keep at it all summer long, you're going to pick it up. If you just go out, you know, once every few weeks, then you're probably not going to. <laughs> yeah. You're going to need to be able to take some bruises and some bumps too. it. Uh, it's definitely a physical sport. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, so did you have a, a background in any surfing or anything that, that helped you with the balance of it all? I mean, it's, it's one thing to be able to read the, the water. I think that's probably extremely important. So if you have a kayak background to be able to, to know what the water is going to do underneath you, but the balance, I mean, that's tough. That's uh, did you have a background or something that, that helped you with that? Um, to an extent, I've never really done much surfing. Um, but uh, skateboarding as a kid and snowboarding have been some of my hobbies for several years. So I guess that kind of helped some. And then just being a overall active guy that uh, likes to, like, I don't know, just walk on slack lines and do still other silly stuff, that, that definitely helps too. So, yeah, I would call, I would say that you had a background from the sounds yeah. of it, then <laughs> nobody's going to walk out there and just jump on one and stay up. So right on. Why would you encourage people to set out on attempting stand up paddleboarding the way you do it? Uh, well, paddleboarding in general is a lot of fun and it's, it's very accessible to, you know, almost anyone. Um, you can buy a board that's pretty stable and go out on the lake and it's a very, liberating experience you almost feel like you're kind of floating like flying across especially if the water's really clear um which is really cool the uh whitewater aspect of it um i kind of like to introduce people to the whitewater side of it who are looking at getting into kayaking um it's a good way to kind of feel the water um it's not restrictive you know a lot of people get when they go into whitewater kayaking uh, putting themselves inside that piece of plastic uh, that's somewhat coffin-shaped and then flipping upside down in the water and being semi-trapped in it. It's not exactly a, a fun experience to start off with. So 
being able to just jump off the board or swim, you know, it's, it's a lot easier transition, um, to whitewater. I feel like. Okay. Uh, and other than that, it's just a blast, you know, you get to ride the waves, get down the rapids. It's almost like it's a, a test of strength and stability. And, um, it's actually a, a full body workout for sure. So if, whether you're into just kicks on the water or you're looking to get a workout, um, it's a good all around sport for sure. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed. I still haven't tried it yet, but you know, watching people do it, watching some videos and even watching people on that, that calm lake that I spoke of, it does seem like it's a full body workout. It's, you know, you're using your, all your leg muscles just to stand up on the thing and balance, but you're using your, your midsection torso and your arms to paddle and propel yourself across. So it does look like an awesome workout. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've used muscles that I didn't even know I had like the bottoms of my feet for, for instance, you know, it's really good for gripping, you know, you work the bottoms of your feet. So if you have like plantar fasciitis or something like that. It's pretty good for that. Um, yeah, core workout, crazy, um, arms, the whole bit. Nice. So start out slow if you're going to get into it and, and try that calm lake and work up to it from there. It sounds like uh, that's a good way to, to build up slowly and it's a relaxing way to do it on top yeah, of that, it. Yeah, get some friends out, take a couple boards out, get, get the uh, try to find the inflatable variety or the foamy ones that you can beat around. Uh, try to try to knock each other off the board, you know, run into each other, play a little <laughs> round of sup joust as we like to call it you know get some combat training and then take it out to the river sup joust that's a new one we'll have to use that someday yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so you're an instructor what does a day of instruction look like so if one of our listeners wanted to come out and try it what can they expect to experience first time out sure yeah, so the first time, you know, most people are interested in lake paddling anyways, but even with whitewater, we'll we'll usually do a flat water run the first time. Um so we'll just bring several different boards out. Um a lot of them are inflatables. That's that's the new craze right now in paddleboarding. Um so we'll kind of just go through some of the different board types, paddles, um way to, you know, basically way to stand on the board, how to operate it, kneel down, standing up. Um, different strokes, uh, how to how to move the board around in the water, and then uh, we just basically just paddle around the lake for a ways, and just kind of the instructor will basically just critique each person on how they're paddling and give pointers in that regard, and uh, basically just have a good time with it. You know, we might get a little yoga practice in, or do some sup jousting, or uh, you know, just do some races. Who knows, you know, it's just kind of the first part of the class is more technical about the different boards, board shapes, paddles, strokes, that kind of thing. And then the end of the class um, would just be about having a good time and learning the different strokes and how to move the thing around. That sounds like fun. So how about a story of the time when you got hooked on this? You said you had done plenty of paddling and kayaking, but what about the time when you tried stand up? paddleboarding in the white water uh how did you get hooked what was that moment like right right yeah um it's hard for me to pick out one particular time i guess but you know i, I definitely enjoyed like i said once i came out to colorado 
it's not the same because the water goes away, whereas in Kentucky, you pretty much have water year-round. So I had to do something to make it interesting, so I got into paddleboarding. And uh, I guess one one trip, uh, my buddy Matt and I, uh, my buddy Matt, who's actually getting ready to be my, my brother-in-law, but uh, we used to like to go on adventures out here, and one of them we went to the uh, the takeout of one of our you know, popular whitewater kayaking runs. And we were going to do the, the slower section just downstream of that. Um, neither of us really knew what was down there. We kind of read up a little bit about it <laughs> and, and understood that it went through a fishing club, which, you know, sometimes fishermen can be a little, a little testy about testy. their access yeah. rights and all that. So we were, that was the part that we were really worried about, or, you know, sort of worried about, I guess. And, uh, putting in there and, uh, I guess there were some people that were hiking up from downstream and they, they seemed a little concerned about us getting in the water and um, especially on paddle boards. And, I thought that didn't least, make a lot of sense that you guys were going to be putting in there. A little bit better understanding of what was downstream. So uh, <laughs> soon we soon figured out why um, it ended up being like a, a decent little probably class three, four rapid and I guess kind of like a little set, you know, maybe quarter mile rapids down there and matt and i definitely took some spills through there for sure we ended up riding a lot of that rapid sands boards (laughs) (laughs) body body surfing and we'll say (laughs) took some good blows there um but it was still fun it was an adventure you know and it was uh it was something that i had never really been associated with standing up going down a river like that and uh, it was really cool I mean, it was it was cool to see the people watching too and they were at one point there was people literally running downstream chasing us to take pictures and uh, watch us wipe out over these rapids and stuff which i'm sure was a lot of fun for them too <laughs> yeah they envisioned a video that they're going to be showing on youtube and get many many right. hits because of what happened to these guys <laughs> yeah exactly that's it's crazy funny. Paddleboard idiots going down class four whitewater. <laughs> so that was one of your first times out and you hit class three into class four. That's pretty, that's yeah, pretty intense. It was definitely. <laughs> I didn't expect to see that on there. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. The, uh, the fishermen didn't even end up being any, uh, any problem at all. They, they enjoyed seeing us go by actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you guys put on a good show. Flight One is your number one source for skydiving introduction and certification. As the leading provider of canopy coaching and instruction in the sport of skydiving, Flight One works with canopy pilots of all experience levels around the globe. Whether you are a first-time jumper or a more experienced enthusiast looking to advance your hobby, Flight One can team you up with an expert instructor no matter where you're located. Visit www.flight-one.com to start your adventure today. Never run out of camp stove fuel again. The 180 stove is a natural fuel stove that eliminates the need to carry heavy, bulky fuel canisters. With a generous 6-inch by 7-inch cooking surface, it folds away into a clean, compact, self-forming case that is small enough to fit inside your pocket. At only 10.4 ounces, the additional weight and space savings allows for other important items in your pack. Get more information at 180tac.com and look for it in retailers near you as well as online. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Will you help us spread the word about the show? 
First, tell your friends to give us a listen. You can also help us out by taking a minute and going into iTunes to subscribe, then rate and leave us a review. Thanks for being a part of our show. So I was doing a little research on on some of the whitewater stuff and came across uh, a guy in Hawaii from 1939. Have you seen that guy's video? He's yeah, little... essentially on a stand-up paddleboard. Oh, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about the the history of it and this. Uh, he's Duke Kahanamoku, I think, is how you pronounce his name, and he's essentially out there in Hawaii on a stand-up paddleboard. It's pretty pretty crazy to see it from back then because we see it as such a, a new thing and it is new. I mean, at least as far as the, the modern version of it, 2005, 2006, something like that. Um, but yeah, people were experimenting with stuff like that. I think they, th- think they call it the surf ski back then, but it's pretty neat to see such an old video of somebody doing the same thing. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, check it out. I'm sure the Eskimos probably had something like that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine uh, there are many people around the world. I mean, you see people from you know down in Africa, whatnot. You know, standing up in their canoes, and that's just their daily life to get around in the canoe and go fishing and and go on about their day. And they're standing up in the canoe and doing something similar. Now, whether they're going down class three and class four rapids, <laughs> I doubt it. But <laughs> so, how intense can it get? I mean. I've seen some guys go down some pretty serious stuff. I mean, what what kind of what class or what level rapids are guys getting on uh, in these on these boards? Well, with the uh, yeah, it, I'm sure I've seen some guys dropping some pretty big waterfalls on them, which um, it really? seems kind of even. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say somebody's probably done class five in it. I'm sure. Wow. Are they actually standing up on the board? I mean, they're managing to land that, or is it just just yeah, a yard sale? Who knows? <laughs> you know, if they get lucky enough, they probably do. There are some boards now coming out with with foot straps. You know, you've got a foot strap on the front because the big problem with waterfalls is it was hard to uh, stay flat as you came off the the lip of the waterfall, or at least somewhat flat. So you would just kind of nose in, and the board would just kind of fall off of you. You didn't have a way to. You know, as a skateboard term, you didn't have a way to ollie the board as you came right. off of the off the waterfall or you know a curb or whatever you, you could translate it to uh, skateboarding. But right now they've got some some straps that you can hold the front of the board up with your feet and kind of uh, you know get a better trajectory coming off the lip of the waterfall. So that makes it a little more attainable. But yeah, I'm sure there's some guys out there doing some class five crazy stuff. Well, you put the get them out there with the straps on it. It'll be the doing the the nuttier and nuttier stuff. I remember when I was a, a kid, we used to do a lot of uh, water skiing, and they had the Skurfer. It was essentially a small surfboard with your feet strapped in, so like a windsurfer, I guess. Um, and yeah, I you know used to go off jumps with that thing, and it was my buddy who used the Skurfer a lot. I was always the slalom skier, so I just tried decided to try his Skurfer one day, and I went off the the wake of the the boat and got a got a good amount of air in it. But when I came down, the nose buried itself in the water, and my right foot 
had slipped out of the back. So it was just my left foot stuck in there. So the scurfer twisted around 180 degrees and took my ankle with it. That's the downside of being strapped in. It just wrenched it around. I had a, I had a good sprain for the rest of the summer. <laughs> say so. yeah. Luckily you just came away with a sprain. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately my leg's been screwed up ever since that incident. <laughs> it doesn't stop me. <laughs> so your day job is you're a, a bridge inspector. That's got a that's kind of an adventure sport in and of itself. I mean, you you're actually inspecting the bridges, right? Where you need to tether, you know, tie off to the bridge and and rappel and whatnot, right? Yeah, we do a, a decent amount of rope work. Um, one of the bigger bridges that we've done recently is the uh, the new bypass around the Hoover Dam. Really. Callahan Tillman Bridge. So that was cool. The the uh, coming off the deck of that, you're pretty close to 900 feet above the uh, the river, the Colorado downstream. So it's pretty uh, exhilarating for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That, that must be a thrill being up there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely a, a privilege to do that bridge for sure. <laughs> that's naughty. I was uh, I actually have started to I I bought a hammock, you know, for camping and. I was researching some stuff about hammocks and I came across extreme hammocking, right? So I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen these guys, but their sport is to tie off on, you know, with with a harness and ropes and whatnot. And they lower themselves down under a bridge, but this bridge was 300 feet up in the air and they would sling their hammock across. And that's how they would sleep for the night. You know, tied in with their harness, and you know they show in the picture from three hundred feet up, laying in their hammock, and that just gave me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Can imagine being nine hundred feet up? That's insane. It's got to get adrenaline all all day, even when you sleep, right? And just... <laughs> I can't imagine the feeling. Can you imagine if the hammock let go? You know, yeah. and, and they're still in their harness, but holy harness. cow, that's one way yeah. to wake up. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh... Large wall climbers have been doing that for a while now. They've set up the little, uh, I don't know what, I can't remember what they're called, but the, the little uh, sleeping platforms on the side of the cliff right. wall. Yeah. I was, I was talking to my wife about that and, you know, talking about the those guys just setting up a tent, just, just hanging off the side of a cliff inside of a, you know, anchored to a couple of bolts in the wall. Yeah. And yeah, that's insane. I would say that's worse than uh, than the extreme hammockers. <laughs> <laughs> How about a story about a time when things didn't go right? Um, you told us about going into this class three, class four section. I mean, that's hairy enough. Do you have something that's uh, went a little less right than that? Yeah, I guess. Well, there's been a few times. Uh, it's always exciting whenever you're uh, surfing in Glenwood and, you know, the Colorado's running 20,000 CFS and, Wow. You get flushed off the wave and your leash cuts loose and you lose the board and you have to go swimming after it, you know, for a good eighth of a mile or so downstream. Uh, yeah, things like that are always, always happening. Um, one interesting story, I've got a couple, but uh, to finish the story that I started earlier about the, uh, the time that I got hooked into paddleboarding. Um, once we got past the, uh, you know, we we were worried about the fishermen being upset with us. Once we got past that, we got into the, the ranchers, um, 
property. And so, uh, you know, I was, we were both recently moved out from Kentucky, <laughs> didn't know anything about ranchers and, you know, whatnot. So we're just bebopping down the stream and all of a sudden we see this sign that says no, t- absolutely no tubing. And there's these barbed wire fences strung up across the river and stuff. And it's just not a very welcoming sign. So, um, at that point, Matt and I, the only real law that we knew of was that if you step off of the river onto someone's property, right, then you're trespassing. But if technically, if you're still, if you're just in the water column, not touching the sides, not touching the bottom, the water is technically public. Right. Yeah. That's my so, understanding. Yeah. At that point, once we saw the sign, we were like, okay, well, it doesn't look like we're very welcome here. However, if we step off now, I don't know whose land this is. This could be like a trap to, you know, to get catch us trespassing here. And plus, neither of us wanted to get off. So we were like, all right, well, let's try this out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we get like another half a mile down the stream and this guy starts chasing us on horseback. And he's coming down out of the woods, yelling and screaming, um, you know, you're on my land, you're trespassing. I've called the cops already. They're waiting for you. You know, all this, all this, you know, whatever. So we're, I'm just watching this guy come down out of the hills on his horse. thinking like, what in the world? What in, in a spaghetti Western here or something? <laughs> What's going on? So he's chasing us down and, he rants and raves and we just keep going because there's no i tried to talk to the guy and it just wasn't having it so like okay well we're definitely trespassing if we get off now so let's just keep going what we're doing and we'll just get on through this and uh then we come around the bend and he's there with like three other guys and they're all taking pictures of us it's, ah. <laughs> there's it's like they traded in their six shooters for cameras, I guess. Or I was gonna say they could be shooting other, you know, with other weapons or other instruments. <laughs> I'm worried about that too. I'm sure worse has happened. Yeah, and then we get a little bit farther down, and another guy chases us down at the farm next door, and yeah, uh, he was actually a little more congenial and able to talk to us. So we just explained that we had no idea what we were getting into, and. You know, we're just going to pass through and never come back. <laughs> we're going to tell so, all our friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that was an interesting trip. So I guess uh, note to note to self, look into uh, who owns the property around the river before you go paddleboarding down it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's tough around here. Um, I've been with a, a friend who's a, a fly fishing guide and we had a long conversation about that. And that was his explanation is, look, as long as you're, uh, you're not touching the ground or you don't have an anchor touching the ground, then you're okay. But yep. it's, it's all in the perception at the same time. You're not okay if a guy's chasing you down on horseback and you don't know <laughs> what he and his buddies around the bend are going to do. You know, it may be I, legally okay, but you, you got to get out of there, you know. For starters, yeah. <laughs> in order yeah. to survive it, grounded in that situation and with no way out. <laughs> yeah, that's an uncomfortable feeling for sure.
Wild Play Element Parks are where adults, teens, and kids can go for their adrenaline rush. With parks located in British Columbia and Alberta, Canada, your family can experience the excitement of a zip line, aerial adventure courses, and even bungee jumping at the Nanaimo, British Columbia location. Call 888-595-2251 and mention the Adventure Sports Podcast to get the Fearless Fans group rate. Again, that's 888-595-2251. You can also visit Wild Play on the web at www.wildplay.com. Don't forget to go to adventuresportspodcast.com and look for that click to call button on the left-hand side of the screen. Click that, you punch your number in, and you'll be automatically connected with our voicemail service, which will allow you to leave a message and tell us about your awesome story about your amazing adventure. We want to hear your stories. Give us a call, guys. Thanks. What is your favorite river to visit? Favorite river? Um, I guess uh, a river that I don't travel to very often would be the Locksaw River up in Idaho. Um, that has you know, different water levels. Uh, it can be amazingly fun downriver, and it can also be incredible surf on the uh, pipeline wave that they have up there. Um, and the, the water is extremely clear and uh forest is amazing up there just the scenery um and there's lots of natural hot springs up there too which is plus so i would have to say just off the top of my head the locks is probably up towards the top um as far as local rivers go the uh, upper colorado is pretty cool um there's a hot spring on that too. So maybe I have, <laughs> maybe I have a thing for hot springs. I was going to say, I'm catching a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Arkansas is great too. Um, they've got a lot of, especially Buena Vista and Salida are great towns. Um, two of my favorite towns in Colorado. So, um, and that's, it's kind of the, uh, well, at least for me, that was, where I started to river surf was in, in Salida in Buena Vista. So uh, the guys with bad fish paddle boards are up there and they make some great, great crafts. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm guessing the three components of a, of a good river are good rapids, good bars and hot springs. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to clear that up. <laughs> um, so you're an instructor for Confluence Kayaks out of Denver. Tell us a little bit about Confluence. Uh, so Confluence, um, when I first moved out here, uh, they were, you know, that was basically how I ran into a lot of the people that I kayaked with. Um, and uh, John and Brian, the two guys that kind of run that shop, they do an awesome job with, you know, being a part of the community and, um, you know, they, they put on the, uh, South Platte river fest every year and, uh, just a really good community of boaters down there. Um, they have a huge selection of kayaks and paddle boards. They do pool instruction that we just opened up a, a indoor pool right there at the shop, um, stays right around like 
90 degrees in there. So it's a, a very comfortable um, experience. You kind of feel like you're in the womb, you know? Right. The, uh, you know, they also do a lot of ski, um, tele and AT during the winter. Uh, they just started doing uh, split boards as well. So they, they rent, they, they demo, um, you can take instruction from them, just an all-around cool shop. And uh, Another one of my friends that I met the other day said that uh, she kind of remembered going into Confluence, but the one thing that she remembered was they had really good music. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so you can go in and jam out with the guys and hang out and drink a beer with them, whatever. They got, usually got a bridge stocked with uh, Sapporo, who is the... Uh, the uh, uh, they put on the pool or they help. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> sponsor. Sponsor. Thank you. <laughs> they sponsor the pool. So there's always some fresh Sapporo down there. <laughs> Sapporo sponsoring a pool in Denver. That's a first. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> as many beers as we have in this state. <laughs> but yeah, hey, right. whatever works, right? Yeah. One of the, one of the Sapporo reps is a local kayaker. So it kind of worked out that way. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. We we take all kinds, no doubt, especially if you're bringing beer. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what's the South Platte River Fest? Tell us a little bit about that. South Platte River Fest, uh, this will be the third annual year for that. It's last weekend in June. Um, it's basically a free-for-all river day right there at Confluence Park. So our uh, you know Confluence empties out their supply of inflatable kayaks, inflatable paddle boards, tubes, and we give, you know, free rides all day on the inflatable kayaks and the, uh, the tubes. You can go right through the whitewater park right there. And then they, they lift the gates on, on Cherry Creek right there and kind of pond up the, the creek and you can ride up any kind of paddle board you want. So there's different companies, different reps from probably close to 20 different paddleboard companies out there that set up there. And so you can demo paddleboards all day, run up, take a, take a trip through the, uh, the whitewater park on an inflatable kayak or a tube. They do paddleboard races through the whitewater park. Um, usually about like three or four a day do the sup jousting. Uh, actually <laughs> fared, I fared pretty well in the sup joust last year. So that was fun. Nice. <laughs> they got music all day. It's also, you know, the major sponsor is Coors. So you've got a beer garden set up on the hill there, live music all day and into the night, food trucks, you name it, man. It's a good time. Good party. Right on. I'm going to have to come down and check that out. I had not heard of it myself, but any out-of-towners or even locals, go check out uh, Confluence Kayaks and the South Platte River Fest. Last week in June, you said? Last weekend in June, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, sounds... so, yeah, REI is a big sponsor of that too. So they, they set up a lot of stuff out there too. Um, Confluence Kayaks, like I said, we empty out all of our our rentals and demos. And it's, yeah, it's great. It's a great time. Good. That sounds like a blast. So confluencekayaks.com is the website and the phone number is 877-298-1292. All right. So how would you say stand-up paddleboarding can be a benefit to society? Well, I think it generally makes people happier um, who paddleboard. You know, it's, 
that's that's another reason why I love the sport so much is the the people that are involved with it are generally just amazing people. So, um, just you know, overall health and well being. Um, a lot of the competitions that are involved with paddleboarding are charitable. Um, you've got a lot of uh, you know, the the Wounded Warrior program is one that I know of that's um, started getting me into some paddleboarding, and that's a that's a uh, pretty rewarding experience there. Um, yeah, it's health and well-being is is a huge part of it. Um, getting people out into the outdoors and uh, just witnessing, you know, all these areas that we need to protect and and take care of, and just I think just getting out and being active is 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 huge, you know, and introducing people to new and exciting things. Right. Absolutely. It's about people getting people off of their couches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how does, uh, you mentioned the wounded warriors. Um, how does that take place? What, what happens there with the wounded warriors getting involved in stand up paddleboarding? Yeah. So it's, um, it's kind of both kayaking and paddleboarding and I'm not that, um, I'm not that versed in it, but, um, uh, that involvement in it really, but, um, I do know that, uh, I, I spoke with one of the guys up there in Buena Vista. Um, and he was interested in in getting involved with it, and I spoke with him a couple times. It just hasn't really worked out for us to to make anything happen just yet. But um, just just to get some of the veterans out, and you know, once once they come back, they I think a lot of them struggle with getting back into society and and finding something to. Uh, motivate them and to, you know, just to kind of be their sport, you know, um, a lot of them have injuries and things like that. So it's, uh, it's cool to see them take to something like that and get a new perspective on life and how, you know, the outdoors can be and how, um, you know, their disabilities aren't fun ending and life ending, you know, they can still get out and have a good time. Right, so it allows them a focus. It allows them to get the continue on with the the rehab that they might be under. Just gives them a way to get out and enjoy life, and gives them a focus. Like I said, yep. So, how about a funny story? Have you had incidents where uh, where they're worth a, a chuckle? Um, yeah, I've had a few. Um, the uh, the rancher story ended up being a chuckle, although it didn't seem like it at the time, but I can laugh about it now. <laughs> um, let's see the, uh, I lost my paddle once on the lock saw and ended up chasing it. I, I bummed a ride from this, from this local in a pickup truck and, um, it, it all happened. I guess I, I flushed off the wave there at pipeline and, uh, ended up swimming downstream. There's an eddy, like a little calm spot just downstream from there. And uh, typically I would throw my paddle into the eddy and then swim like crazy to get into the eddy because it was still super swift right there. Uh, one time I did that and I lost the paddle. And so I was freaking out. <laughs> I was like, oh crap, it must have washed back into the current when I was getting out. So I jumped in this truck and you know, we drove down. I was looking out the side of the river. Um, and then I I saw a friend of mine that was down there and I was, I was like, what's Tammy doing down here? Cause she was up kayaking with us. 
And then come to find out she had flipped and swam and none of us had known. So that, I mean, that was faux pas on our part, but she was looking for her paddle too. We ended up finding her paddle. Didn't find mine anywhere. Come back up and it's still floating in the eddy. I guess I missed it somehow. I got stuffed <laughs> under some rocks or something. So that was big, uh, about nothing right there, I guess. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of work to find a paddle that wasn't yeah, lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I found Tammy and gave her a ride back up. I guess that was the silver lining there. <laughs> yeah, you're probably it's probably more important to find the floating human beings than it is the floating yeah, paddles. Yes, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Right on. All right, Frank. Well, I appreciate you spending a little time talking about some whitewater. Stand up paddle boarding. I'm going to have to uh, do a little more research into it and maybe get out on that calm lake and see if I can try my hand in it and uh, maybe maybe keep it yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Not jump in the white water with come, you. But... <laughs> come, uh, come take a course with confidence. I'll get you a good deal. Yeah, I think that sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click contact us. And don't forget to find the click to call button on the Adventure Sports Podcast website and tell us your awesome story about your amazing adventure. And don't worry, the voicemail is fully automated. You won't be talking to any humans. <laughs>